Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. I use the complete idiot's guide to the Bible. Unqualified. Why can't my kids come into the service? Because we have PG-13 services. Unqualified. That has a nice ring to it. Unqualified. I've always felt that way. It wasn't a compliment. Junior church has taken over. It's designed for elementary kids or junior higher. Who doesn't feel unqualified? It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. All right, welcome in. Welcome in. Hunker down, buckle up, however you want to visualize it. Just get ready because we are about to embark upon your favorite day of the week. It may not be. Forgive me for being presumptuous, but it certainly is mine. It's not because Todd's not in the studio with me. No, that's not the reason. It's actually because we get to hear these witness encounters. These are always incredibly encouraging. I'm always able to learn something from every encounter we listen to. And this week, Todd is gallivanting around the campus of Georgia Tech. And so let's not waste a whole lot of time. Let's actually get out to the campus now. Young man, oh, why, is, why do you have your hair dyed blue? I actually was trying to get go to white hair and I screwed it up. So I decided to <laughs> go over it with blue. Pretty provocative color. How come? I like being noticed. You like the attention. That's I honest. It's a way to express yourself. What are you saying to the world with your royal blue hair color? I'll do my own thing. You're a nonconformist. I wouldn't say that. I conform to things that I think are worth conforming to, but things I don't. Do you think that you have to conform to anything that you don't agree with? Like the laws of the land? I won't conform to laws I don't think are just. I will conform to laws I think are there to help people. Um, So you're willing to break the law? Yeah. Really? Do you think that it would be fair for the justice system to punish you for breaking the laws, even though you disagree with them? Depends on the law. In general, most laws I am willing to follow. There are some laws I am not, and I don't think it's fair to be punished for that. I don't think it's fair to punish other people for that. I want to ask you about a different set of laws. Mm -hmm. Do you think that you have to follow God's laws? I don't think... I am not a believer of God's laws. I don't think that he, that a supreme being made a set of laws, so... How's about the Ten Commandments? I think the Ten Commandments are a good, they're a good set of morals, and I think you should follow them, not as laws, but definitely as guidelines at the very least. Okay, so do you think if God wrote those laws... Mm -hmm. And he requires you to keep them, the lying, the stealing, the lusting, the blasphemy. Mm-hmm. Do you think that it's fair for God to punish people who break his laws? No, I don't. Why not? Because God, if the biblical God is true, he created people with their own flaws. And to punish people for flaws that he created himself, I think, is not it's not consistent with the image of a benevolent let me try to reason with you for a second see if this if you if this analogy works you okay. let me know if not that's okay your parents gave birth to you right yes are they responsible for your bad behavior in a way they are because they raised me okay, let's say but so. they you're, are not you're, directly you're responsible you're a man now you're, right. you're an adult so you are no longer under the authority of your parents right. if you committed a crime today you're over 18 correct mm. You committed a crime. There's no way you could say to the judge, Judge, my parents are responsible. They created me. Yeah. The problem with that is that it's... I I understand exactly where you're going, but it's a straw man argument because 
my parents did not design me. They did create me, but not in not anywhere near in the same sense as the biblical God created people. Because he created them, because he is all-powerful and he's omniscient, he can know exactly what he is doing, exactly how events will happen okay, when he know, creates someone. Good for you. Okay, let me try this one on you. See what you're, okay. you're thinking, guy. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna suggest that God made people not sinful, but He made people perfect. Mm-hmm. Adam and Eve. Okay, right. you know that story. Yes. And He let them have a free will so that they could choose whether to follow Him or to sin, mm-hmm. and they willfully sinned. And therefore, the whole world fell into sin, and everybody that's born is born into sin thanks to Adam, not thanks to God. Okay. Is that um, fair? No, because the story of Adam and Eve implies that Adam and Eve did something wrong. They did. But they didn't. Sure, bar- they, dis- they disobeyed. They disobeyed, but they had no. They had no. They had no reason to know why they should obey oh, sure. God. They had no concept of why what they were doing was evil, besides that it was arbitrarily decided to be evil by God. And in fact, they had no knowledge of good and evil, so the concept of doing something evil had absolutely no meaning to either of them. Sure, but God commanded them, don't do that or you will yeah. die. So they knew exactly but, what the consequences but, were. But they didn't die, though. Sure they did. Eventually. That's yeah. death. Of course. But it, and they died spiritually, they, they, too. He, he created ignorant beings in Adam and Eve. No, and they knew the rules. When he explained the rules, he they, said, they don't do this. They knew the rules, this. but they had no concept of why those rules were in place. Or it's, it's exactly the same as if, as if the government said, made a law saying, no wearing green shoes. And... But you're supposed to follow the law, but some people like wearing green shoes, okay. and they don't know that's, why the that, government that's, said. That's true, but the reason that they follow the, their, their own hearts and choose the green shoes is because they don't honor the government. If they honored the government, they'd submit to the government and do what they're told. Same yeah. thing with Adam. They didn't submit. They I, didn't honor. But I, I wouldn't honor. I would never. I wouldn't think it's not right okay. to honor a government let, that let, arbitrarily decides yeah. to ban green shoes. That's our opinion, but if the government is all powerful and all knowing like God, but they then don't it's even life. know. They don't even know. In fact, there's no way that God even knows that He is all powerful or omniscient, because for Him, it's perfectly possible that an all and a higher power created God with the concept that he, without the knowledge of the higher power, thinking He was all powerful and all. Okay. No, but then we're getting ourselves into an infinite regress. So just, let's just stop with the one who is infinite. Now let's focus on you for a second. Let's see if you've got a problem with God. If you deserve the wrath of God, we're going to set up a little courtroom scene here okay. to see if we can resolve the tension and if this makes sense to you. How many lies do you think you've told in your life? Probably an uncountable number. Okay. How many things do you think you've stolen? Far fewer things than I've lied about, but I have no doubt. It only takes one thing and you're a thief, right? Yeah. Okay. How many times have you lusted in your brain, had fantasy thoughts? Plenty of times. Plenty of times. Okay, because Jesus warned you don't have to commit the act with your body. Just think about it, and he sees what's going on inside of your brain. Mm -hmm. How many times have you taken God's name in vain? Instead of praising him or thanking him, you just tossed it out casually or used it as a four-letter filth word. Plenty of times, but that is actually not what the... The commandment is about the commandment was if you take it at the hebrew sense 
using the Lord's name in vain means invo in invoking the name of God in a promise or a swearing to do something is, and then it is failing that also. upon In fact, that. there's even a third way, calling yourself a follower of God, but not behaving in such a way so that the world looks at you and go, huh, some follower of God, that blasphemes God's name. But it encompasses all of those things. And the other scriptures that make it clear that unclean words, and if we use God's name wrong, okay. he it, will punish uh, us. I will, I will take your interpretation speaking. for okay. now. Okay, so you've broken that law too. Mm-hmm. So here you are in the courtroom of God's justice. The books are open on your life, and he knows everything you've ever done, every deed in darkness, every sinful thought, everything that you failed to do that you should have done, thanking him, praising him, helping people. You're guilty. He knows it all. God should give you justice, and he should give you what you deserve. And your conscience tells you he's right to punish me for lying and no, stealing. and he's not. Lying, you know that lying is wrong, and stealing uh, is wrong. Lying is not wrong in stealing. Stealing, I would say, is Taking his wrong. name in vain and Taking lusting. Taking his vain in, in name isn't, isn't wrong at all. Lusting is not wrong at all, as long as it doesn't hurt okay. people. But Dude, you can hurt I, people. I don't know who it. your mother is, but I would never use her name in a bad way. You know that it's wrong to not use God's name in a high way. Damn. Actually, the problem is, because he's so high, our offenses are greatly, greatly received by him as huge offenses because of his character and nature. But he created those things that have our capacity to make those offenses. He'd no, have he no reason. allowed it, but he doesn't cause you to sin. You're responsible for yours, I'm responsible for mine. All right? You're guilty. You deserve God's wrath, but God is good. And remember, he wants to show his mercy, grace, and loving kindness. But he can't just let you go free. A judge who lets a guilty criminal go is not a just judge. God is the just judge of all Depends the world. what the crime is. And he wants to let you go because he's good and he loves you despite your rebellion. But he can't just set you free because that wouldn't be fair to others and it would be a violation of truth and he is truth and he can't break his own laws. So God, before history began, came up with the plan. I'll send my son, Jesus Christ, to be brutally beaten, to die on a cross, to take the punishment, to pay the fine that but you But that doesn't make God. any sense. Oh, it makes sense. No, it doesn't. You might reject it, but it makes perfect no, sense. No, it, it's a completely empty gesture. To, he's all-powerful. He doesn't need to send someone yes, and kill he's just. No, he could do it himself. He could snap of his fingers, do whatever he want because he's all-powerful. Like, okay, all of your think, arguments you stem OJ from the fact... Do you think was innocent or guilty? I don't know. I, I okay. do not have that. Let's imagine a guy's in a courtroom and he's guilty. He's Let's say he's raped. I trust you have not raped anybody. Yes, I okay. have not raped anybody. All right. Imagine a guy's in the courtroom and he's raped a bunch of children. And the judge goes, I'm so powerful, I'm just going to let you go. You're going to go, wait a second, where's justice? Get no. him, get the bad guy. Something inside of you says justice must be served. But that's completely different from the judge saying, here, I'm going to cut off my own hand, and so you don't have to go to jail. That's what your analogy is saying. Okay, I'll live with that. Goodness. All right, so hang tight. We've got more from Georgia Tech and Todd's conversation with Scott. It's a Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. How's inflation been treating you if costs for health insurance are skyrocketing in your home? Would you please visit MediShare.com slash wretched affordable biblical health insurance? 
sharing Christians paying for other Christians medical bills, which means you don't have to worry where the money is going for bad stuff. Second of all, you can save on average $500 per month. And finally, MediShare, it's the gold standard for healthcare sharing for more than 25 years. It works and the members, including myself and Mrs. Friel, love it, which is why their customer satisfaction rate is double traditional health insurance. If inflation has got you down, call up the people at MediShare, 844-34-BIBLE or MediShare.com slash wretched. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Wretched Radio today. We are so grateful for you and your support, especially when you choose to purchase resources from our store at wretched.org. As Christians, we know the importance of standing firm in the gospel because it was for freedom that Christ set us free, right? Well, your support as a gospel partner helps us to continue producing biblically sound productions like Wretched, Road Trip to Truth, and Transformed. We rely on the kindness and generosity of God's people just like you to not just keep the lights on around here, but to also spread the gospel to millions. We promise that we honor your generous gifts with faithful stewardship and full accountability. How so? Well, we're members in good standing with the ECFA, which means you can check up on us for yourself and have full peace of mind as to how your donations are being used. So please, would you visit wretched.org slash donate or text the word wretched to the number 44321 to get all your questions answered and to become an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel Partner. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Like the Pointer Sisters, I am so excited and I just can't hide it. The Masters Academy International is embarking on a bold new program to distribute Bibles internationally. There are oh so many wretched people who love to give to ministries who are giving out Bibles and the Masters Academy International is going to start doing just that in the Philippines, but they don't want to give out just any Bible to just anybody. They're going to give away John MacArthur Study Bibles to Christians who cannot afford them in a local Bible teaching church. Can you imagine the impact? How much do you love your MacArthur Study Bible? For $25, you could put a Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines. I'll do the math. It's not tricky. Four Bibles, $100. Maybe you could commit to giving a Bible a month to a believer in the Philippines. Please visit wretched.org slash Bible, wretched.org slash Bible to join the Master's Academy International. Know your church fathers. Ignatius of Antioch was a disciple of Peter and John and the Bishop of Antioch. He was arrested and sentenced to die in the Roman arena. As he prepared to go to his death, Ignatius said, Let fire and cross, flocks of beasts, broken bones and dismemberment come upon me, so long as I attain to Jesus Christ. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. All right, we are back here on Witness Wednesday here on Wretched Radio. And if you've been with us so far, Todd has been talking with Scott on the campus of Georgia Tech in downtown Atlanta, Georgia. And well, this conversation is, um, I don't want to say it erupted. It it, it didn't erupt, but hopefully you took the opportunity during the break to... uh, to catch your breath, because I got a feeling you're going to need it. Imagine there's an island. There's a tribal ruler. Call him what? The king. Okay. And the king has laws, and they're rules, and they're good rules because it protects everybody and it makes the village run right. And he's kind, and he's benevolent, and he upholds justice. And one of his rules is 
nobody can steal from the, the food storage bin. Okay. Because if that happens, people starve. One day, it's discovered that somebody's been taking food from the storage bin. And people go searching to find out who the criminal is, and they can't find him. And even more food is taken away from the bin. And now the, the king is rightly furious, somebody who would rebel against his laws that are good for everybody. Mm-hmm. Finally, the announcement comes. They found the criminal who's been stealing from the storage bins. The tribe gathers together in the town center. The king is still in his hut. They've got the criminal tied up at the stake in the middle of the center with people surrounding him because he is going to be lashed unto death because that is the law. Guess who the criminal is? Probably someone related to the chief You got something. it. Good for you. It's the tribal leader's son. He walks out and everybody gasps when they see that it's the tribal leader's son. What will the tribal leader do? Will he turn his back to justice and let his son go because he loves him or because he loves justice more? Will he punish his own son? Do you see the tension going on here? Yeah. Here's what God did. It goes just like this story. The tribal leader sees his son and it breaks his heart. But he announces, strip the boy. And he bears his back. The young man is chained up with his bare back to the person who's going to administer the lashes unto death. And as the whip is drawn back, the tribal leader says, stop. And everybody gasps and they think, oh no, he's going to turn his back on justice. The tribal leader takes off his own robe, exposing his bare back, walks up to the sun, wraps his arm around the sun, exposing his back Mm -hmm. to the whip. And he says, proceed. And he takes the lashes unto death for his beloved child. Justice is satisfied and the son is saved. That's what God did for you, Scott. He sent his son to take the punishment that you deserve. He took the lashes you deserve. He hung on the cross, getting the wrath of the Father poured out on himself so that you could be set free, so justice could be satisfied and God could rescue you. That's goodness, Scott. That's kindness. You're a guilty criminal, just like me and everybody else on Mm -hmm. this campus. God must punish us for our thoughts and our deeds and our words and our intentions and our actions and our failures. But he wants to save us because he's kind and merciful. He sent his son to satisfy justice. And not only that, because Jesus kept all the laws that you and I broke. Not only do we have our sins forgiven because Jesus took the wrath of the Father, but the goodness that Jesus credited by keeping all the commandments that you and I have broken can be credited to our account, too, so we can be seen as righteous before God. You say that he had a just law, but I don't think that killing someone for stealing food is an appropriate punishment at all, and I don't think internal damnation is appropriate punishment for lying or lusting. Why does God only have a binary system of rewarding or punishing people eternally instead of having doling out appropriate punishments for people and then appropriate rewards? He wouldn't need to. He wouldn't need to. Did you see the story recently? This was all the political talking heads were talking about the judge who was very gentle in his sentencing of a man who strangled eight women to death. And they interviewed the guy who strangled eight women to death. And he talked about how much he enjoyed it because it was such a connection with the person. Mm-hmm. And this guy's whacked. And right. then he said, but you know what? I'm not a bad person. I only strangled eight women. Other people have str- Other serial killers have, have murdered like dozens of people. See, he doesn't but think he's, he's so bad. But, but he's not the standard. The standard yeah. is God, not you and me. God is the standard. But, but... Him, he, so he should be put to death. Let's let's say, but why should the person who shoplifts 
from Kmart also be put to that same final justice? Okay, very fair question. All right. Point number one, we see ourselves in a confused state. Our view of ourselves isn't good because we like us. So we, okay. just like the serial killer, judge ourselves to be good. Mm-hmm. We need an objective standard. Now, that brings us to the second point yeah. in answer to your last question. Why would shoplifting be worthy of eternal hell? Here's why. If I told a lie to my 11-year-old son, do you know what's going to happen to me? Absolutely nothing because he has no power over me. He has no authority. Right. If I lie to my wife, chances are very good I'm sleeping on the couch that night. Okay? If I lie to my employer, I'm getting fired. If I lie to the government, it's called treason, and I'm going to jail. Okay. Now, I've committed the same crime, the same act, four times, but I've also received four different punishments. What changed in the scenario for me to receive a greater punishment? The capacity of the person you wronged to punish you? The one against whom I committed the crime. All right? But... You think that shoplifting or lusting is no big deal, but the one against whom you've committed the crime is God, and he's way up there. And your offense is exceedingly sinful because he's exceedingly holy. But that's why you're worthy of But he created us to to lust after people. Yes. He did do it. He created you knowing that you would do it, but he didn't cause you to do it or make you do it. You've done it all by yourself. uh, No, if you are an all-powerful figure and you create people with the powerful instinct to do that and the lack of self-control and the lack of a reason God doesn't make to you not sin. do it. No, God doesn't make you God, sin. but he he does because he no. cre- because he knows exactly how crea- he created us. But that's that's saying that he makes that's saying sin. like God is not only the judge, he's the creator, he's the jury, he's the executioner. And when you cover every single base, you are responsible for every single step Nobody's of the process. Not, no, but you're the criminal. And see, that's where your analogy just broke down. You're the no, criminal. He's so? not the criminal. You've just made God the criminal. He is the criminal. He's, Scott, he's the mastermind. Think about what you're saying, though. What am I saying? You're saying that God is responsible for all the atrocities on this earth. That he's, God is causing them? Free will is so impossible to define okay, that there's no point. God make you behave perfectly. I don't know, because, God. yeah, no, he is. Wow, that's an accusation. The, the, the Abrahamic God is one of the most unpleasant, most, he's evil. He is. You read the You've Old Testament. Richard Dawkins. I've read a lot of things from both sides of the issue, and I, I end up agreeing with Dawkins on so some of the God, things he what says. Is, give me the best thing that you think makes God evil. The genocides he commits, okay. the atrocities right, he we'll commands. Okay, we'll put them all underneath. He killed people. He killed lots of people. Okay, so let me Innocent people. Okay, so imagine if every person born is a sinner, a rebel against God. Does God not have the right to execute everybody on the spot? No. Do parents have a right to kill their children? Nope, because they're human beings. He's God. So Every sin is committed against him. The right response of a just God. See, the question isn't, why does God kill people? The question really should be, Scott, why does he let anybody live? Really, if you think about your sinful thoughts it's, alone, it's he true. should squash it's true. you like a bug if, right now. If he is really so offended by all the things we do, he should wipe all, us, all of us out and, sure and make should. perfect people, but he doesn't. No, instead, he does it. This is his plan, to demonstrate his mercy, grace, and loving kindness. Why what does he, he do? need to demonstrate it to some people who are so far below him? There's no reason for him to. Sure, so that he can be glorified. Why does and, he... He doesn't... He's all-powerful. He already knows his glory. That's You're assuming human characteristics 
of and something who is so well, far in, beyond human. In a, in a human. sense, but they transfer the other way. But having said that, God is the one who should get all the attention because he's the best thing there is. Right. Here's here fundamentally as we depart, here's the difference between you and me. All right? And I you might disagree with this, but this is what I think. You think that people are basically good. I think people are basically bad. You think that God think owes them life. I think people are basically human. Yeah. But I think that God owes us death. God should If God gave us what we deserve, we'd be in big trouble. I don't think God does owes us anything. I don't think he because I, I do don't believe in God. God. I don't owe God anything because I don't believe in him. That's like, irrelevant, though. He gave you life and breath. But and it, given you your No, hair. but I don't think he did is the problem. But that would be like a criminal standing before a judge and saying, I don't think you exist. But no, because someone can see the judge. Someone can hear the judge. There you can is see no... the handiwork of the judge of the no, universe. It's no, called the creation. Yeah, but there are better explanations that are more consistent internally and externally. Yeah. I beg to differ, but we'll leave it at that. How's okay. that? Fair enough? Okay. We part as friends? Yes. Thanks, God. <sighs> I'm guessing, I'm, I'm just guessing, what you heard, while I'm almost certain you disagree with it, it's not out of the mainstream of thinking in the way that people process and establish priorities and values. So that is why I spent so much time with him, because he's not a whacked out guy. He's just educated wrongly, and his system is completely flipped upside down, and it is informed by people like Richard Dawkins, the university system, the government schools, and MTV. All right. Well, that is it. Oh, my goodness. What an interesting chat and conversation between Todd and uh, our new buddy, Scott. Dialogue can be pretty tough sometimes when you're out witnessing. But listen, keep this in mind. Even when it feels like you're speaking a different language, don't shrink away from the conversation. Press into it. Because what you're doing when you're witnessing is the very purpose God saved you for. Not to argue or debate with other brothers and sisters, but to win souls to Christ. Okay, I know it seems like we've been going 90 to nothing, but we have much more Witness Wednesday still to come right after this on Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hanks. Start today with news from Russia. What's Russia doing? Well, I can tell you what they're not doing. They decided that they're not going to wear the Western-style stiletto heels of gender ideology. What does that mean? Well, it means President Vladimir Putin has signed a law which prohibits transgender individuals from undergoing any type of gender-affirming surgeries or even adopting children. And it also includes an amendment of any official documents or public records to reflect a gender transition. Yeah, it seems like Putin's stance here is drastically different from the one you're going to find here in the West. And in tragic news, a baby girl who survived an abortion attempt was, according to an anonymous medical resident, left to die by hospital staff. I really wish this wasn't true. I wish it was a joke somehow. This isn't a scene from some dystopian novel or something like that. This is a heartbreaking reality of the state our country has fallen into. It's, it's really like to some medical professionals, the Hippocratic Oath has become more of a suggestion than a mandate. Well, on a brighter note, uh, well, um, kind of a brighter note, I guess I would say, um, Fox Networks has decided that it would stop matching donations made by employees to the Satanic Temple. 
<laughs> it's following a lot of backlash that it received on social media. However, the company is still letting their employees donate to some other organizations like Planned Parenthood. Baby Steps? I don't know if we'll call it Baby Steps. I think I'm more apt to say that Fox is not really the network you thought it was all along. Well, on the legal front, a woman from White Plains, New York, who happens to be a pro-life Catholic, is asking the U.S. Supreme Court to overturn a county law that prevents her from counseling women who enter the White Plains Planned Parenthood Clinic. Seems like the uh, powers in charge in White Plains, New York, have been a little more interested in upholding the right to be left alone than the right to offer compassionate alternatives. I'm sure all of those unborn babies who were needlessly murdered really appreciate being left alone. Well, our mighty, powerful President Joe Biden might be seeing the world through some diversity tenant glasses. Not might, he is seeing the world through diversity tenant glasses. But what now? Well, he nominated Admiral Lisa Franchetti last Friday to the United States Chief of Naval Operations, despite Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin's recommendation to nominate someone else. And I'm not saying she's not competent at all to do the job, but I am saying that her gender is getting a whole lot more attention than her qualifications to do the job. Is she qualified? Possibly, but that's not what's being talked about. And that has been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible. When Habakkuk saw violence and injustice in Judah, he complained to God. God promised to use the Chaldeans to punish Judah. But Habakkuk complained that they were even worse than Judah. God said that he would punish the Chaldeans after using them to purify Judah. God uses all things for his glory and the good of his people, even evil things. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And welcome back to Witness Wednesday here on Wretched Radio. What an adventure we've been on today. Todd's been out of the campus of Georgia Tech and uh, he uh, he spoke with Scott, our blue-haired buddy. What an interesting back and forth they had. Be praying for Scott, that God would continue sending people uh, into his life to share the gospel with him and uh, pray God would make him miserable. For the sake of his soul, pray God not let him sleep another wink until he deals with the truth of the gospel that Todd shared with him today. All right, so who's next on the hit list? Let's get back out to the campus of Georgia Tech. Hey, young man, whilst you're sitting here for just a few moments, could I possibly talk to you on the radio and ask you a couple of questions? About what? What are you studying here at Georgia Tech? Physics and electrical engineering. I'm a complete physics idiot. Teach me something that I could apply in my life today about physics. You got anything for me? Off the top of my head, do you know how they measure bullet velocity? They fire a bullet, and then they check the impact for the depth of the bullet. That's one way. Okay. Another way that's a pretty simple physics concept is you fire it into a block of wood that's hanging. Okay. And what happens is it imparts all of its momentum into the block of wood, which swings like a pendulum. Yeah. You can measure the height, the difference in height, that it swung up to, and that tells you the uh, change in potential energy of the block of wood, which tells you the energy the bullet had when it hit it. Okay, because I'm just, I'm thinking here, I would think that the bullet and the impact and how far it moved, wouldn't there be considerations like how porous the wood is or how dense the wood is and the weight of the wood? 
Actually, no, because it all falls out of the equations because all of the energy in the bullet, no matter how it goes, as long as it stops in the wood, all of the energy is transferred to the wood. Okay. And what about the weight of the wood? Uh, you divide that out at the end? At the end. Okay, so wouldn't that be... There's got to be some sort of thermodynamics. Uh, matter is... Energy is neither created nor destroyed. Yes? Correct. Well, that is, does that not... Isn't that not it's, the reason that this formula works? It does. You do get energy losses in things like transfer to heat because some of the kinetic energy of the impact gets transferred to the wood, not as potential energy moving it, but also as heat. From. Okay. So do you agree with that principle? It's actually a law, isn't it? Is it the first or second first law of thermodynamics that energy is neither created nor destroyed? I believe so, second? yeah. First or second? First, I believe. First. And you buy that principle? I think so. If energy isn't created, where do you think it came from? We've got energy. There's energy here right now. The sun has energy. Those plants seem to have some energy. Where does the energy... The That's a pretty hard question, actually. It's an origins question, isn't it? Mm-hmm. What do you think? What's your take? I really don't know, honestly. There are a couple of questions like that in physics where it's very easy to get to the limits of what people know and what people can observe. Mm-hmm. And the origins of things is one of those. So do, are you an evolutionist or a creationist kind of guy? I'd have to go with evolutionist. Okay. So then with that, where do you suppose all the energy came from? Isn't that kind of a stumper for the evolution? I don't think that's really a pertinent question, honestly. They're two completely different concepts. Okay. Evolution is the study of variations in species over time, and the origin of energy in the universe is a more of a philosophical question, really. But in order to even ponder evolution, isn't it directly connected to where did the stuff come from? Where did the energy come from and the laws, time, space? They're directly related. Where do you think the where do you think the energy and the stuff and the time and the laws and space came from? Honestly, I really don't know. I don't have a good answer to that. I don't think anybody really does. I'll give you my answer. Tell me what you think. I think that if there is anything, there has to be something that's infinite. There has to be. Because stuff doesn't come from nowhere. So ultimately, if you do an infinite regress, something has to be infinite. Because no matter how far back you go, you got to keep going back. And so I simply say that infinite regress, that infinite is God, who made everything and controls everything. Because I don't think that some, I think there has to be something infinite, and I just think that thing is God. That's my take. What do you say? That's a fair argument. It sounds reasonable, but it's hard to come up with proof for any argument. Actually, I think that that argument is the proof. The proof is the stuff. The proof is we're here. The proof is the universe. You didn't come up with an argument that's based on that. What you said was here's why stuff is here but you didn't prove that this is why stuff is here i could say a completely different argument well, I didn't for why, why stuff i said is here. how how did the stuff get here i was going with the how not the why why is a different question okay so the why is why did god create the world would be a different question okay let's just say just for yucks i'm right and god created the world why do you think god created the world what's the point 
Why are you here? I'm sorry, I really don't think I can answer that. I haven't pondered it? I don't think that... If God's infinitely wise, as he's supposed to be religiously, I don't think that any human being could really understand his reasons for creating the universe. Unless he revealed it. Unless he revealed it. Okay. Would it be logical to say, as I look around, I see communication as a big thing. You and I are presently communicating. God made us. We communicate. I think it's fair that God communicates. He's a communicating God. So now my question is, how exactly does God communicate? I would suggest to you two ways. Through nature, we can look at it and learn something about his attributes. He's big, strong, creative, powerful, intricate, clever, artistic, communicative. So now my question is, if that's all I can get from it, I, I learned that. Did he communicate anything orally or in writing? And therefore, I'm going to go look at all the holy books that claim these are the writings of God and try to figure out if any of them represent the God that is revealed in nature. How do you like my logic so far? I wouldn't call it logical, but I'd call it a reasonable way to go about looking at that. Um, it's not... Yeah, I shouldn't be locked up in a padded cell. No, it's, it's not at, at least, all. Okay, decent thinking. Okay, so here's my take. I've looked at the Bhagavad Gita and the Quran. And I've looked at the Book of Mormon, and I've looked at the Bible. And here's what I've concluded, that the Bible stands out as a unique book because it identifies something that the other books don't identify. The other books identify and make the claim that people are basically good, and we can basically improve ourselves and ultimately earn our way to a better place. The Bible says the exact opposite. The Bible says, actually, even though people are made in God's image, people are basically bad. And that's why we see all the horrible atrocities that we see these days. And we're bad, and on the inside we're bad, and my heart is bad, and my mind is bad, and my thoughts are bad. And I can't make myself better to be pleasing to God. Instead, he did something to make me pleasing to himself. And to me, that story answers the big question in life of, why am I here? I think the reason that I'm here and that you're here is that God could take a bad person like you and adopt him into his family and ultimately make him a good person so that he could be glorified for being a really good God. So your purpose is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's what I think your purpose is. So here's the question. Would you consider yourself to be a good person or a bad person? By my standards, I consider myself to be a good person. All right, let's try God's standards for a second, okay? Because it doesn't matter what the criminal... If you got pulled before the judge and said, Judge, my standard says I'm innocent, the right, judge is going to laugh you out of the courtroom. Okay. That's fair. Okay. From what you just said, I'd probably be a bad person. The Ten Commandments, for instance, God's laws, lying. Mm -hmm. I trust you've broken that law. A few times. A few times. Okay. So that would make you a... If you've lied a few times, what would that make you? You would be considered a... Lie. Yeah. Okay. okay. You've told lies. Just like I've told lies, I'd be a liar, you'd be a liar. Okay. Have you stolen things in your life? My dad's compass one time. All right. So that would make you a... Thief. All right. Lust. Looking with lust, sexual thoughts, fantasies in your brain. I can tell by the whiskers on your face you're a man. I'm guessing you've done that, correct? 
birthday yet. Our three laws. Let's say God judges you to determine if you're good or bad. Would he conclude that you're innocent or guilty? From what you said, I'd have to conclude I'm guilty. Guilty. Okay. So if God is just, and we sense that justice is a good thing, what do you suppose God should do with you? Should he reward you, take you to heaven, or should he punish you and send you to a place called hell? That depends on how guilty he feels I am, doesn't it? But if you've lied and stolen and lusted, you are guilty. I'm sorry, I'm not very studied on Christianity. Is it if you break any of the commandments, if you sin at all, you're guilty in here? Good question. All right, hold on just a second. Wait a second. Talk about bad timing, right? But I've become a bit of a pro with this, I think. If this was a competition, I, I promise I'd be the world champion. I would be willing to say there's not anybody in the world of radio that can compare to my ability to interrupt at the absolute worst time. But hey, fear not. We're not going to leave you in suspense. Tape is rolling, and we will be back as Todd continues to speak with James on Wretched Radio. Sorry to ask you to do some arithmetic, but this is some math that will encourage you and make you very, very happy. This is one testimony of a mother who chose life because she saw her own baby, courtesy of an ultrasound from Preborn. I was terrified. I really didn't know what to do. The first time I saw the ultrasound, I was just amazed. I was like, oh my gosh, is that my baby? And I, like, I heard her heartbeat and I, I just, I just fell in love. If I could care about my daughter this much, if I could love my daughter this much, how much does God love me? Now take that one testimony and multiply it by 54,253 because that is the number of babies that were saved last year because of ultrasounds at preborn centers. Would you please help us grow that number by providing as many ultrasounds as possible at preborn.org slash wretched preborn.org slash wretched have you ever felt like you're on an emotional roller coaster it's okay to admit it because we've all been there and some of us are there now well saddle up buckle up strap up whatever it is you prefer just tune in to transform with dr greg gifford it's the podcast you quite possibly have been waiting for because it's the place where anxiety loneliness depression and fear come face to face with the bible and don't expect dr gifford to just read scripture no he wrestles with it and applies it to challenges we all face. Trust me, this podcast, it's a game changer. And it must be for me to say game changer because I loathe that phrase. But that's exactly what Transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford is. It'll help you and it will empower you to help others too. You'll be throwing out biblical wisdom like you're in Solomon's Court. New episodes, they drop every Saturday morning at transform.org slash podcast or wherever you usually listen to podcasts. Trust me, you'll be glad you listened. Ah, some good news. Two encouragements from the Tomorrow Clubs. They have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in Eastern Europe, but now they've expanded to Africa and the kids are swarming the Tomorrow Clubs. They have never seen greater attendance than the hundreds of new clubs that they are opening up in Africa. That should encourage all of us. The gospel is going forth and reaching kids in unreached places. Encouragement number two, would you like to become a Tomorrow Club's ministry partner? 
Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Hermeneutics. A vital part of biblical hermeneutics is an understanding of genre. One genre we find in scripture is prophecy. Prophetic books record God's warnings to Israel and other nations of the consequences of continued rebellion against Him and the blessings waiting those who trust Him for salvation. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And ladies and gentlemen, we are back here on Wretched Radio. It's a Witness Wednesday, and you didn't miss too much during the break. Trust me, your radio is still locked right into the right place. Todd is still out on the campus talking with our friend James. Before the break, they were diving deep into the subject of sin and judgment, and James was trying to understand the gravity of our sins It's not just about the sins themselves, but who the sins are actually being committed against. What makes our sinning so bad is not the sins so much themselves. They're bad, but it's the one against whom we've committed the sin. Imagine this. Here's an, see if you can follow my little anecdote, all right? All right. If I told my 11-year-old son a lie, do you know what's going to happen to me? Nothing. (laughs) You can't do anything. He's just, he might complain and squawk and he might be annoyed, but nothing's going to happen because I'm the dad. All right. Now, let's say I told a lie to my wife. That's a different deal. I could be sleeping on the couch. All right. I tell a lie to my boss, I'm going to get fired. I tell a lie to the government, and the government can put me in jail. Now, I have committed the same crime. I've committed the same sin. I've lied four times, but I've received a different punishment. What changed in my scenario? The relative status of the person you lied to. That's exactly it. Spoken. Now imagine my lies are judged by God. Okay, kid, wife, if you will, boss, government. If God is above all of those things, now suddenly that crime becomes really horrible. And suddenly the whole idea that all liars will have their part in a lake of fire becomes reasonable, not because a lie is such a big deal to us, but it's the one against whom we've committed the crime. Make sense? Yeah. Okay. So your lies, your lusting, your maybe dishonoring your parents or not being grateful for the things that God has provided for you or coveting things, and even being angry with somebody, he sees that murder is the, of the heart because it's not really what we do all the time. It's even what we think that he judges. So he opens up the books on you, James. He sees it all. He knows every deed done in darkness, everything that you've done and everything you failed to do that's good. Your criminal record is wide open. You're guilty. What should he do with a guy like you? I suppose I should go to hell then. I should be punished for... Whatever crimes I've committed. Yeah, that's what the Bible says. And that makes sense to me because I know my own heart. I know what I'm like. I know what, what my brain is capable of. I know what my mouth is capable of. And I have this sense that if God gave me what I deserve, it would be a very bad thing. I think it's called your conscience that tells you that. That little courtroom in your brain that says, guilty, guilty. Okay. Now, according to the Bible, you've heard something. I don't know if you ever went. Did you ever go to churches again? Once or twice with friends. A little bit. Maybe Christmas and Easter type of stuff. A little bit. Okay. So Christmas, 
the day Jesus is born. What's Easter? The day, is it the day he was resurrected? Very good. Okay. Murdered, beaten, just completely whipped, put on a cross, died on Friday, rose on a Sunday, three days later. Do you know why he did that? Because he didn't just die at the hands of men. He willingly laid down his life as a part of God's prearranged plan, predetermined before history started, that he would do that, that he would suffer and die. I know the phrase, he died for his sins, but I'm afraid I'm a little sketchy on That's it. The... No, that's it, though. That's it? Yeah. Back to the courtroom analogy. If you were in a courtroom and you were guilty and you had a huge debt to pay and you couldn't pay it, somebody steps into the courtroom and says, Judge, I love that man and I have done enough and I have earned enough. I want to pay for that man's crimes. And if that, that man had the ability to pay for your crimes... It could be applied to your account, and you could be set free. That's what Jesus did. It's, okay. it's a big justice thing going on in the universe. You've broken God's laws. Jesus, God himself, took on human form so he could be your representative before God the Father, took the punishment that you deserve on your behalf so that your sins, your crimes could be forgiven. And not only that, he lived a perfect life so that all of his goodness could be also credited to your account. So you could be seen not only as not guilty, but as righteous before God himself. So then, you die, he takes you to heaven, because you are now righteous. And he can point to you and say, if you'd like to know how good I am, I saved that rascal, James. That lying, sinning, blasphemous, adulterate heart, I took him and forgave his sins because of what Jesus did. That's how good I am. That's how you glorify God. You get saved. You get forgiven of your sins by God himself, by repenting and putting your trust in him. And then he can point to you and say, that's how good of a God I am. I save James because that's what he wants to do. He wants to save you. He wants to save those two. He wants to save people because he's a good God and he's a merciful God. And he's a gracious God. And so those attributes that he possesses of mercy, grace, and loving kindness can be displayed. He wants to save you. The only way that can happen with a guilty criminal, if he just said, ah, I'm just going to let James go, he wouldn't be just. So he, in order to be just, justifier of those who believe, his son took your place and received the punishment that you deserve so that justice could be satisfied, so that you could be made righteous and God can be glorified. That's what I think your purpose is. God wants to save James. Before you were born, before this universe was even here, he knew you. He knew that you would be sitting right here today. He knew what a sinner you would be, and he died for you anyway. You ever been to a football game or seen a football game at the end of the stadium? Somebody will always hang down a sign that says John 316. You ever seen that? I at think a sporting so, yeah. event? You know what John 316 says? I know. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That is the good news of Christianity. All the other religions say, try hard, do good, and maybe you'll be in a better place. Christianity says, you're not good, nor bad, but I'm good, and I'll save you, and I'll demonstrate my kindness by saving you, by grace alone through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. Here's a question for you. All right. Jesus Christ, dying for you, you know what your heart is like. 
If we could put a computer chip behind your ear and record every thought for a week, and then put it into this computer, or maybe put it up on a big screen in the middle of the campus here for everybody to see. And I don't know how you'd feel, but I know I'd want to crawl underneath a rock. Jesus saw that. He knew that about you and died for you anyway to demonstrate his love for you. He died for a sinner named James. Can you think of anything kinder that has ever happened to you than God dying for you? When you put it like that, it's hard to argue against. Sometimes you hear preachers say, turn or burn. The reality is we should go to hell. And the reality is God is going to send people to hell because he's just and he must. But God doesn't want you to turn to him because you're scared of hell. He wants you to understand that's what you deserve. But then he also wants you to understand that he took a thrashing on your behalf so that you could be saved. And he wants you to turn to him, not because you're scared of hell, but because he's been so amazingly kind to save you from hell. If you just are scared of hell, you're nothing but a fear-filled convert. God doesn't want fear-filled converts. He wants, you should be afraid of him. You should be afraid of hell. But he wants you to turn to him because, wow, he did that for me? He wants tear-filled converts that are saved because of his kindness. And so the offer that he has for you, James, is that he will rescue you this day. If you will come to him on his terms by repenting, to say, you're right, I'm wrong. You created this place and I've been a rebel and I'm sorry. And you turn from your sins, you don't become perfect, but you no longer desire the things you used to desire. Instead, you desire him and you put your trust in Jesus Christ. And he promises if you will come to him, he will not cast you out. He will make you his child and you will then inherit eternal life based on what Jesus did on your behalf. So he says, repent and trust in Jesus Christ. And then your conscience will suddenly be cleansed. If you've ever been concerned about that little courtroom in your brain that says, I'm guilty, he will cleanse that for you. And he will see you as righteous because of what Jesus did. That's the offer of the gospel. So now I'm going to walk away because I'm not selling you anything. And I'm not signing you up for the cult down the street. I'm walking away. You don't even know who I am. All I can do, though, is beg you. Just think. You're a thinking guy, I can tell. Think about this. Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? You can become a physicist, an engineer. You can do all of those things. And you can make lots of money and good for you for doing that. But if you die in your sins and go to hell, it's nothing. All of this is nothing compared to the value of your soul. It's precious. So now you need to ponder and determine if everything that I've been preaching at you is right or wrong. Because this is cognitive too. Christianity isn't just about your will. You've also got to have your, your brain changed. I'm out of here. You got something to chew on today, huh? Yeah, I will definitely think about that. Something to ponder. James, thanks very much. Oh, what a day. What a day. And listen, if you are the witnessing type and today did not light a fire under you, I, I'm not quite sure what will. And with that, we're going to put a stamp on this week's Witness Wednesday. We have much more witnessing to come from the campus next Wednesday and much more wretched radio to come tomorrow. Until then, tomorrow that is, go serve your king.